but we've got we've got beer, we've got whiskey, we've got I got tequila too, and we got. Oh, what a day! What a week! What a month! What a year! Dyer, how you doing? Man, let me tell you something. I used to be a prolific four loco drinker. Like oh, I kept God. this company in business for a long time, and I haven't had a four loco since probably January. Since I moved into this okay. fucking cabin, I haven't. Had one. I had one today, and the first drink I had of it, I literally almost vomited. I was like, oh, "Holy God. shit, is this a fucking acquired taste?" And now I've lost my taste for it. I forced myself well, they to drink. The recipe. They changed it again recently. Probably. Well, they changed it when they had to, like, when it became illegal, right? I knew that because they'd had to take the caffeine out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was equivalent to like. It it was equivalent to like a bottle of wine and like six cups of coffee was one for loco, yeah. which is, and then it, you base, if you know anything about the human body and how it works and, and depressants and, uh, what's the other thing called? Accelerants. Uh, that's not it. That's like fires. Yeah, that's no. gasoline. <laughs> well, it, does the same, it does the same thing. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, that, uh, people were like having that. heart attacks cause they were bonging them and shit which is a bad idea anyway. I don't, why, I don't know why you would do that. But anyways, I I drank this. I had to force myself to get through about a quarter of it, and then I started to feel it again. And by the time I got to the end, I was good. But man, uh, that, that first drink was rough. I literally, and I don't throw away alcohol. Like there have been oh, yeah, very yeah, yeah. few drinks that I've ever poured down the drain. And I almost, you almost, almost did it? threw this one away, and I didn't. What was that? What was that, like a $6 can? No. One can of four loco is like a dollar ninety nine. Oh, okay. Here in Ohio at least. We don't have those yeah. uh crazy syntaxes like you do on the east coast over there. I mean I'm drinking okay, here we go. I'm drinking Ho Garden, okay? God. It's pronounced Who Garden, actually. You know what? I'm gonna I, get a little I, bougie I, I got, on you. A little bougie. I got my I got my wit beer. <laughs> With with coriander and orange peel. Oh no, it's really tasty. <laughs> I think you can uh, pour a sh- uh, shot of Chambord in there, and that's a, a good mix. There's a lot of beer cocktails yeah. you can make with Hogarden. Well, Hogarden's great. Hogarden's great by itself. You can make cocktails with it. You know, there's a lot you can do with Hogarden. I love a good beer it's... cocktail. Oh, so good. And this this six pack was like five bucks, five six bucks. Hell Not yeah. Bad. It must have been a sale because there's no way these are less than a dollar a beer. Like, there's no way. It must have been a sale because even out here, you can't get a six pack of that for seven or less than seven bucks. Usually, if I'm buying a six dollar six pack, it's like Natty Ice or something terrible like that. Right. At least they give you the tall cans, though. True, true. (laughs) (laughs) You are very, very correct. Jesus. I'm dying today. I don't know what's going on with me. It's been a weird one. It's been a weird week, it's been a weird month, weird year. You know how it goes. You sound like a no Texas Rangers fan right now. Dude, you know what? <laughs> they don't even know what's going on right now. Brian, Brian, this, uh, this is, it is uh, 9.22 p.m. Eastern right now, and Brian Hawk of uh, Yes Network uh, just says that Joey Gallo to the Rangers is not done. It is not a done deal. So hold the, hold the horses. Hold the horses. This trade to, may or may not happen. It's trying to temper expectations. It's going to happen. 
I think it has to. They don't get close enough. MLB.com was breaking it. Mark Feinstein. That, yeah. that guy's usually pretty reliable. But MLB.com also broke George Springer to the Mets. That's true. And then he went to the Blue Jays. Whoops, he didn't even get the country right. <laughs> like, come on. Can you imagine like, Joey geez. Gallo in fucking Yankee Stadium, though? It's a bandbox. And he's going to have... One, I'm curious to know how his how his uh, like temperament is going to handle New York because New York ain't Dallas. Mm-hmm. But but here you go, ready? This two, three, four, five of Judge Gallo, Stanton, Sanchez. God talk about it. an talk about an easy inning for a pitcher. That's three strikeouts right there, <laughs> or three home runs, or three home runs. No, in all in all honesty, this this. The Yankees are going just, we play in a small park, let's hit bombs. Because everyone in this lineup just hits bombs. DJ LeMahieu hits bombs. Aaron Judge hits bombs. Joey Gallo, all he does hit bombs. Stanton hits bombs far than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Gary Sanchez, Sanchez sucks at catching. Good hitter. That's <laughs> the only reason Gary, he's up. Gary Sanchez is a, is a Dollar Tree version of Mike Piazza. <laughs> I'm a better catcher than Gary Sanchez is. Like, like when I say Dollar Tree version, Mike Piazza could actually catch. He just couldn't throw. Right. <laughs> He's like Jake He could Taylor. call a great game. <laughs> yeah, he could call a great game. He they didn't get a lot of passed balls. He was, you know, really good game manager. You know, pitcher. he caught the pitcher as well. He could hit the fucking lights out the ball, couldn't throw. Gary Sanchez can hit the ball really far. And he sometimes plays catcher. He's got a good arm. He he's does got have a good a arm. A very that's strong why. arm. Why don't they that's put why him he's in... a Dollar Tree Mike Piazza. Why don't because they try you... and put him in the outfield? I think he's got to be a DH. I think I... you got to end up DHing him. You got I... Brett. Why is Brett Gardner still on that team? Because he looks like a penis. True. But, like, why would you not put. Judge or Stanton in center, or and then just because Brett Gardner in center field is kind of just like he can feel, but like I don't know. The only thing I, I, I can think I, of I, is it's the god tier veteran leadership, like the guy that's been yeah. there through the whole thing, and or they just want to remodel their dugout and they just want someone to take the roof off for free. Right. They they also they just want like if they need to like anybody needs their car waxed they can just like grease off of his head and just wax their car with it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But so the Yankees right now are about four million under the luxury tax. Like they've ever cared about that. No, they don't give fuck about that. Yeah. Gallo makes about two and a quarter. uh, Actually, a little more than two and a quarter the rest of the season. So, like, they'll be just under luxury tax. They don't give a shit. When have the Yankees ever cared about luxury tax? Never. Like, ever. That's ever. not, yeah. They're the Yankees. They're fine. They're fine. But the fact with the Yankee, the fact that the Yankees got Gala, who they, they control through 2022, is big. That's if huge. they end up getting, if they end up getting him. And the Rangers got some pretty good prospects. And 
whether they just need to figure out if they're going to flip them for someone who's going to move, who's going to play now, or if they're going to develop them, because let's be honest, the Rangers need a lot of help. No, this is the right move for the Rangers. I mean, it's, it's no secret that they haven't done a whole lot in recent memory um, during the last decade and, and even a little bit before that. Um, so now's the time to sell and really bolster bolster that that minor league system so that in 4 years maybe 3 4 years you're right where you want to be sell the guys yeah, that you can a... now and continue sell. I mean it's not like they've been anywhere close so it, you're not going to be worse than you were so yeah. do it now yeah. in order to get to where you need to be in a few years and they've got a young team too mhm so Bring them up, make some good choices in, in your coaching staff, grow them, don't be a Mariners, and you'll be fine. Right. But that is just they, just, they cannot be another Mariners because the Mariners right now are just, they're show, they, they are giving a class act in the last year on how to not run a franchise. Yeah. From, from, from the beginning of, where the who was it we talked about this their their ex-president or ex uh operations yeah the guy at the rotary club shit yeah you start your season there just talking shit on all your players which is like that's how we're gonna start the season great at the rotary club of all places at the rotary club of all places. <laughs> <laughs> like you're right then you go off and you trade in the middle of a series against the team that you're trading with a, and a division rival, probably the best closer in Major League Baseball right now. Dumb. They made the dudes change lockers as they were there. Like, 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 <laughs> he was trading, he just walked across the field. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Apparently, it's not oh going well though. Is it's, that? You you just you just go out here and you take you know Graveman, who's been insane. It, it's it, he's been insane, and you just ship him off for the no. Granted, the Astros needed a bullpen. It's not the fact. This is not a bad trade for the Astros. It could be a terrible trade for the Mariners, but it's how it happened. That's just like. What are you doing? And mm-hmm. why, why? I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I know a lot of Mariners fans feel like they're going backwards again with this. But that's... When it's I a rough think, one. I mean, it's, it's a business, but it's rough. When I think of how much I hate the Cleveland Indians' ownership... I think about how it could be if I was a Mariners fan and I instantly feel a little bit better about it. You have to. Like, granted, Toro's a great player, really good clubhouse presence. He'll do he'll do well there. But in the middle of a series, apparently the clubhouse was not happy about it. There have been multiple quotes that have come out from the clubhouse from anonymous players. Whether it's true or not is, you know, a different story. 
but it it goes down one uh an hour ago it was great said one player it's probably better than it's ever been and now it's the worst multiple pitchers emerged from the clubhouse with tears still on their eyes from saying goodbye to graveman you should have seen it earlier said a veteran player about the initial reaction uh source say the equipment uh, sources say equipment was broken and smashed or one player went absolutely mad. Betrayed was the word that was most often heard. Are you fucking kidding me? Said the same player. It never changes. I don't care about winning. How do you trade him and say you care about winning? And you trade him to Houston? It never changes. <laughs> um, he, has, he hasn't come down here, said a player of Depoto. He sits up in his suite playing fantasy baseball and rips, up, rips apart our team without telling us anything. Like, it's just, it's it seems like exactly that is that the front office is busy playing a game, not really realizing, you know, that it's not a game, mm-hmm. and you just got to feel for Mariners fans because it's just like, geez, <laughs> good luck. It's interesting, too, because as the front office for the Mariners, considering what happened in the offseason, you figure you kind of have to tread a little bit lighter than you normally may have had to. And not saying that they shouldn't have made that deal. It's a little weird to make that deal in the division, but realistically speaking, they're not competing for the division anytime soon. So it's not that far out of the realm of something that is a good decision. But could they not have waited three days until after the series was over? Or however long it would have been. I don't, in the middle of a series, it would three, four-game series. So wait two days. Say, look, let's finalize this trade You know, after the, the final game of this series. Let the guy know, hey, this is it. And then fly him out. Pay for a fucking plane ticket. Who cares? What, like, the, <laughs> I don't understand. Reeks a, this reeks of a businessman somewhere going like right well if we look at the efficiency here they're there already so like we oh can just God. leave him and take him and it's great <laughs> like that's it really what that reeks, it, it reeks of someone looking at like the efficiency charts of you know and finances and looking at well we can save twenty thousand dollars on a private plane or you know two hundred dollars on a coach ticket if we take them now like That's the downside with, you know, sports in general is that oftentimes the people running the, sh- the show forget that the players are human. Right. Like, how fucking awkward is that for a player? Let's look at it from that standpoint. How awkward is it for the player to be traded in the middle of the series? The next day, he's with a new team in the same stadium in front of the same fans having to do a job against the guys that he just left. Mentally, how difficult is that for him? You know what's really fucked up, too? Toro was on the road. He left his house to go play. He probably had some inkling he was being traded, Mm. you know. Maybe not, though. In a lot of cases, these guys don't. And then you're dropped off, and then you go to play the Mariners in Seattle, and you you play a game, and then you get traded to the Mariners and now you're staying there with the Mariners and you had planned to go back to your house mm-hmm. when you got back from that road trip like God, yeah man. that happens like like yes that happens a lot but not in the sense of this where it's there are players who are traded on the road to a different team 
and there are you know players who are traded you know at the end of a road trip or right before like that's that's one thing but like you're in the city where you've been traded to and now you have just have to stay there right that's awesome meanwhile meanwhile graveman oh that ball was absolutely crushed who just hit that uh titties but uh brandon drury okay that's a name i haven't heard in a minute but the the thing is like graveman went from driving to the stadium every day like what do you do does he still live at home i don't know does, does he live at home in extra days or does he move to the, the team hotel to get acclimated like you got to go home and just dude's got to just uproot his life overnight which is again part of the game but like you didn't expect to be traded to a division rival in this series with a division rival. That's such a weird situation. I'm sure it's happened before uh, plenty of times, but man, it doesn't seem like it's something that happens often. I I don't. Well, I mean, uh, Abraham Toto homered against the Astros for the Mariners on Monday. He was traded to Seattle on Tuesday and proceeded to homer for the Mariners against the Astros. <laughs> he is him. the he is the first. What is playing? Oh, that's playing for me. Um, he is the first MLB player in history to homer for and against a single team on consecutive days. <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. Like that's a stat right there. Like. Your 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 record book is that you homered for your team and then against your team on back to back days. How many times in history has a guy been traded to the team they're playing against in a series? I want to know during a series. Uh, How many times has that happened? It can't be that much. I'm sure. It, I mean, it it has to have happened before, or else or else we'd have seen that in the headlines somewhere. But there's no way that a handful of times, maybe. So. The in July thirty first, twenty eighteen, uh, the Diamondbacks traded with the Rangers to uh, the D backs getting Jake Diekman, the Rangers getting uh, Weichin Huang, all literally same day, you know, in the middle of the series. Uh, the the Mets and traded uh, Matt Harvey for Devin uh, uh, Marasco on May eighth, twenty eighteen. And they were, uh, the funny thing is that Harvey wasn't actually with the Mets at the time. He, he had just been DFA'd, but Mesoraco switched clubhouses in the middle of the series. Huh. That sucks. Um, Blue Jays acquired Scott Feldman and Astros acquired Guadalupe Chavez in 2016. Um, that all one these... happened. Let me so ask... it happens a lot. So let me ask this though. Are these... Some of these names are names I don't recognize. Are they guys that are on the current roster with the MLB squad, or are they prospects? Some of them. I mean, I, no, I, I know Deacon these guys is, are. I knew Matt Harvey is, but Mazzarocco was Mazzarocco, active. of course. Yeah. Um, Scott Feldman and Guadalupe Chavez were active. Feldman. Um, let's see. There was there was the interesting case in 2016 of. Melvin Upton Jr. being uh, being acquired from the from the Padres. Blue Jays acquiring Melvin Upton Jr. in exchange for uh, Hansel Robles, uh, not Hansel Robles, Hansel Rodriguez. The funny thing was, 
Upton could not go to the Blue Jays because while a player can play against the Blue Jays, he could not play the for the Blue Jays without a work visa. So they had to send him on a three-hour car ride to Ontario to obtain the document. He then came back and hit for the Blue Jays in the bottom of the seventh. So, like, he just had to go there and, like, sign something, and they had to give him, yeah. like, a receipt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Canada. Yeah. And and then he comes back, and he can play for the Blue Jays. So, it's what like... Y- what year was this? 2016. Can't have him e-sign something? It was only five years ago. I, I know, right? I, I guess Canada, maybe, maybe. Maybe immigration documents, you probably... I'm sure you have to be in person. That makes sense. But, I don't know. It's weird strange to me it's also strange to me how relatively common this is i didn't i guess there's a lot of it yeah okay well i digress i think it's i think the bigger issue is more that it was a division rival right playing the division rival like in all these trades i'm looking at none of them are really yeah none of them are division rivals it's just it's all like there's a lot of interleague, but I'm not seeing a single division rival in any of these. Well, that back. coupled with the issues that Seattle had in the off season with their ownership and front office. Yeah, like there's I'm already tension there, and now you're just throwing this right on top of it. Throwing even more tension, right? I just don't see anything like the. This is the first one I'm seeing that's actually got. any kind of rivalry going between them because it's let's see you got red sox twins nothing there athletics indians nothing there um there was let's see giants brewers nothing giants pirates nothing dodgers d-backs nothing giants cubs nothing tigers twins nothing yankees mariners nothing mariners blue jays nah maybe a little bit not really though uh Orioles Astros nothing Nationals Cubs nothing Braves Dodgers in 2015 there's nothing there Blue Jays Padres nothing Blue Jays Astros nothing Reds Mets nothing D-backs Rangers no like none of these guys none of these trades are between rivals right it's just teams that happen to be See, these teams, it makes more sense. Like, the Yankees-Mariners swapping while they're playing each other, that makes sense. Right. But, like, never to a rival. That would be like, that would be like, that would be like the Yankees and the Mets trading somebody during the Subway Series. (laughs) Like, that would probably actually be worse. But that would be like... It's borderline that sacrilege. Like, yeah. That would be, like, <laughs> be like the Giants and the Athletics trading people in the middle of a, in the middle of a series. I'll switch sports. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be like this. I was going to say the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers trading a couple of players right before a game. I don't think it would be quite that bad. I don't think it would work the same way, though, because it's like I think what makes baseball interesting is that you're going to most times be playing a three or five game set sure like you're just playing one football game 
Well, and also foot, you, baseball is a little bit more of a plug and play sport and football. You've yes. got game plans and all this other shit. It, they would never have a huge role in a game like that. Or at least yeah. anything that was, you know, complex. Yeah. I can't really think of a sport that would slot the same way baseball does. Right. In terms of trades and movement and everything like that. I, I honestly don't, I can't think. I think baseball is unique in that aspect. I suppose in basketball, you probably could to a point, except, you know, I mean, you know, they have plays and things that they run in the half court, but in a lot of cases, especially nowadays, I think that players would be able to come in and play right away a little bit more so than they would have in years past. But baseball yeah, but again- in that way is, you know, you come in and, and baseball is played the same way, regardless of what team you play yeah. with. You just do what your manager says, but the strategies are all pretty interchangeable. There's nothing that anybody's doing that's a whole lot different from anybody else. It just really matters most about the players you have on the field, their positioning, and how your manager works the team. I guess the toughest trades would be pitcher-catcher. Yes. Just a new new pitcher having to learn a new catcher, a new catcher having to catch a new pitcher. Like, that, that would be where you might have the most hiccups. But, you know, you plug someone into third base... Yeah, they got to learn the pecking order and the culture of the clubhouse, but how they physically play third base stays the same. There's no game plan shift. It's not, you know. Well, there are some other trades that have been happening besides the tentative Joey Gallo trade that has still yet to actually be finalized. Um, You have, of course... The big one for some fans, probably so far, the best trade that I've seen so far this off this offseason, this this trade deadline, which is the Athletics acquiring a rental Starling Marte and the Marlins acquiring Jesus Lazardo from the A's. The Marlins will be covering the remainder of Marte's $4.6 million salary for the rest of this year. And they are getting an extremely high touted upside in Lazardo. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not even an R1 yet. So they just gave a rental for a long-term addition. Extremely smart bolsters their starting rotation tremendously, which is good for the Marlins. And there's a good chance that Marte will sign right back with the with the fish when this is all said and done. What's Oakland thinking there? How does that make sense for them? I, I don't know. I mean, it, Marte is, you know, the king of the playoff rental, but I still don't know. Why are you giving away that much? Yeah. I mean, I guess they're... Uh, what is that? Uh... 11 games over 500 now, but they're still behind. They're still six games back of Houston as we stand today. Yeah. They'll be a, they'll be a wild card team. They'll be like, a wild card why, team, but why are you they giving away so Lizardo? I don't know. But that so far is probably the trade right now. That's really Apart from the Astros Mariners trade, that it's a good trade on paper, but makes you go, What? 
That's a um, that's a move that a team that thinks they got a shot right now today to win the World Series. I don't think Oakland's yes. at that spot. No, but again, why we why are you giving away a pitcher with that much team control left mm-hmm. for a guy you're going to have for half a season? Yeah, he's not signing with you again. No. There's no way. There's no way he stays in in Oakland. Oakland didn't pay anybody. zero shot. <laughs> no, zero shot. We've all he'll, seen Moneyball. Right. Yeah, right. And with the state that their stadium's in and what's going on there, like, I wouldn't want to be there either. That's just, no. Um, other than that, I mean, the Cubs have started offloading a little bit. They moved uh, uh, Andrew Chafin um, to the A's, which that is a good move for the A's. That gives them a very nice bullpen arm. Um, that move makes more sense than the Starling Marte move. Sure. Uh, bullpen's going to win you games down the stretch, just being up and... That's that's big. Um, Cubs getting some good prospects back. Uh, Deekman coming out from the A's is their uh, is their number nine prospect. So Cubs kind of trying to build that that back and still no movement though on any of the big three for the Cubs. Big three being actually big four really, but I don't think they're going to move Rizzo. But the big three being Javi, Bryant, um, and Kimbrel. Um, you have to think at least two of those three are going. Like, there's no way they're keeping all three. No. There is no way. There's no way. There's no way they sign them all at the end of the season anyway. Like, it's not even as a rental. It's just, like, no one's going to get them back. Like, like, Javi basically all but said he's going to sign every anywhere else already. And, like, Bryant... I guess if Bryant, you could re-sign, but for what? Yeah, are you gonna pay him? Pay him all that money for to lose that many games every year? To lose eighty games he's a year? Too, he's too good of a veteran to shelf on a shell of a team that you're rebuilding. Yeah, doesn't make sense. Um, I think any of the moves that they make with those guys are gonna happen on Friday. All the big ones, the, the yeah. final. Because they're going to hold out. I think they're going to hold out. Exactly. They're going to hold out until they know that other teams are starting to get desperate. They're going to take the pulse of what's going on in the trade world, you know. And if you know moves are starting to be made and teams are starting to get who they want and the 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 prospects that they kind of had their eye on are starting to go, then maybe they'll make that move. But if that's not the case on Friday, they're going to hold on to these guys until three o'clock Eastern time um, and then start, start moving them at the end of the, you know, at the 11th hour. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting, but, but you're going to see just out of that team alone, you can see three huge names off the board and I each one not, of those three names. I mean, Kimbrell, I would not be surprised Kimbrell, at all to see them all go either. Kimbrell, Kimbrell could legitimately pitch you, through a postseason. Mm-hmm. Kimbrough could 100% get you through a bunch of postseason games in the final few innings. He could be one who could lock down. Like, he's got, he's the most valuable out of the group. I mean, you got an electric uh, personality with Javi Baez, who, despite flipping his bat and rowing the boat and yelling. <laughs> Only managed to get a fine. MLB again talking out one side, saying something completely different out the other. 
In his um, defense, Amir Garrett is an asshole. Agreed. But, <laughs> but how do you suspend Castellanos and Amir Garrett for stuff that they've done in the past that is just as flamboyant as this was? And then you just get slapped with a fine? Because like, Chicago's a bigger market and Cincinnati's not. True. True. And that's how but, like, Rob Manfuck runs the league. I'm so shocked that Javi wasn't suspended. I'm so shocked he wasn't suspended. I'm not. Like, I get it. I don't know. But regardless, that's not the diva I want to talk about right now. I'm going to change sports real quick. Aaron Rodgers, as we now prepare for our wonderful editor, Gnome, to put his fist through the nearest monitor as he's editing this. Aaron Woodley, everybody. Yeah. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is, I don't know what he's doing. I don't get it. I He's, what? <laughs> like, he is just. He's back. He's claiming ownership. Like it's weird. The last thing that I saw was that they were working on a contract for him to play through this season and then he would be Correct. a free agent. Correct. What sense on any planet in any sport does that make? What sense does that make? Devontae he's, Adams is going to want the same thing because he was he was already trying to do it. If Rodgers was going, so was he. He's just, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, he said some things. Did you see what he said about, about Wisconsin and Green Bay today? I didn't see what he said. What did he say? He said, Green Bay isn't a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me. He's not wrong. Yeah. But like jeez. You have about, to think that talk about a way to alienate your fan base though. Listen, if you're Green Bay and you manage to get him back this year and you don't make a serious run at the Super Bowl, you should sell the team. Yeah. Fire everybody. Clear house. I don't want to see any of those coaches in there ever again. You have zero excuses. This is literally your one shot with a legitimate team with a Hall of Fame quarterback, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, a good defense, a good offense. If you don't make, I'm not going to go as far as that you have to win the Super Bowl, though I think they probably have to. But if you don't make, a run or you don't even make this, you know, the, if you don't make a run in the playoffs, it's guaranteed Rogers ain't coming back. Guaranteed. He's not coming back. I come at it from a different you, standpoint. Why, why are we keeping these guys here? They don't want to be here and they're going to leave after this season, sell the farm, get what we can now and rebuild in the off season. Call this season a loss, cut your losses. Now where you can get what you can and use that to rebuild. It doesn't even have to be players that you that you can use this year. Get draft picks. Get get a hundred fucking draft picks for the next draft class. 
You're going to you're going to eat a couple of seasons probably, but you're going to be better off for it. All right. They've proved over the last few years they can't win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Yep. They proved they can't do it. They've done it. They've got the same core group of guys. They've got the same defense, offensive line, skill players. Get rid of the the of of the of the issue, Aaron Rodgers and company, and rebuild. You're not winning the Super Bowl this year, Green Bay. Sorry to tell you. No. And I think all the no. fans know it too. Everybody knows it, but the fucking front office, who seems to be completely clueless. Yes. Sell the farm. Uh, you have to. You you. You've never committed to going all in. And now you're not, and yeah, Aaron Rodgers, who knows what's going on behind the scenes with the signings and everything. Like, who knows? But clearly there's something going on there. And if if your franchise players are like drawing this out, something stinks. Yep. So clean it. Get rid of it. Start over. But... You know Rodgers is coming this year. He's if Rodgers is playing this year, his goal is to win a Super Bowl. I, I mean, that's an obvious statement. Like, there's no quarterback that's ever not going to want to win a Super Bowl. I think With the this offense year, he's building. What he wants to do it in spite of the front office at this point. I think. Yeah. He's going to come out and want to set the world on fire and stick a middle finger right in their face and see, I want it for you now, deuces. I'm going to go win it for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I, I think that's exactly I I could even see him winning it and giving a speech and just completely omitting certain people. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Just straight up omitting certain people. Cause, Cause you'd know if you win a Super Bowl in your free agency year and then you walk from the team that you've been with for how many, thirteen years now, eleven whatever it is. His whole career. And you Yeah, and you walk because you because of a because of a disagreement. That is the biggest fuck you to an organization you can think of. But, but you will also leave with the respect of a fan base because you brought them a championship. True. I mean, he could win the Super Bowl there and literally pull his pants down and take a shit right on the owner's shoes on the stage after the Super Bowl, and the fans would still love him forever. Yeah, because he brought him. In, he, he won them another champion. Like that—that's all that takes. That's all that takes to get out of the villainy is just win that championship. Sure. Then the villainy changes. Oh, now you can't sign your Super Bowl winning quarterback. You let him walk. You let him. You, you didn't even give yourselves a shot to get him. What are you doing? That's what that story becomes. Winning cures all ills. Yep. Because all all he has to say when someone asks him, all he has to say is, I won them a Super Bowl. Right. I won them a Super Bowl, and they won't even come to the table. Winning organizations do not have these problems. Correct. Either you win or you don't, and the issue grows, and you cease to be a winning organization. So they're at a crossroads right now. I don't think there's any way he could, he he resigns. Not at I don't all. Think there's any way? 
No, and if he's, they, he's done. If he sticks with them and they don't win this year, this becomes one of the biggest blunders in the history of running a football team or any sports team at all, really. Because then you can look back and say, why didn't you trade him? Somebody would have given up the farm for him. There are teams in the NFL that are that close that are that think that they're one player away, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers away, a generational talent, a Hall of Famer away from winning the Super Bowl that would give up everything to have them on their team. And if they didn't shop it and explore that possibility and they don't win the Super Bowl, Green Bay looks like a fucking goat and not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, didn't this like just happened last year? Didn't a team sign a Hall of Fame quarterback <laughs> and go on to win the Super Bowl that same year? Did I I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I am pretty sure that happened like last year. It did. And the difference there is that the New England Patriots get a little bit of a pass because they won what, seven Super Bowls in the last Right. Well it's not so much a dig at the Patriots as it is more of a statement of failure from the from the Packers because Tom Brady proved that all it takes for some teams is a Tom Brady level quarterback. And the Tampa Would Bay could... Buccaneers were not that close, it seemed like to a lot of people. C- correct. They had some good now, pieces, Tom... but they didn't have Tom Brady. <laughs> And Tom also brought people with him because people want to play for Tom Brady and with Tom Brady. You're telling me that if, let's see, who's a team that's really close right now? Screw it. Let's say, let's say Cleveland. Don't do me like that. It would never happen, but we're going to do it like you. (laughs) Cleveland has some pieces. They probably don't have all the pieces right now. We know they don't have all the pieces right now. They got a lot of them. Yeah, there's hope. They got a lot of them. If they manage to trade the farm and picks away to get an Aaron Rodgers level quarterback, they're instant favorites, aren't they? Yes. If not the favorite, they're top two, top three favorites instantly overnight. Congratulations. Because no matter that a team like, no matter how much potential Baker Mayfield has, he's not Aaron Rodgers. No, and that's not a <laughs> ding on him. Not right that's now. Just, yeah. That's just Aaron Rodgers is Aaron fucking Rodgers. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's literally maybe one other quarterback in the league right now that's better than him. I think the biggest someone, difference, I think the biggest difference there is that Aaron Rodgers is under contract, and Tom Brady walked. Correct. They didn't have to trade him. There wasn't an issue there. It was an amicable split. He said, I want to go do my own thing. They said, cool, best of luck to you. There wasn't a whole lot of tension, at least that we could see on the surface, with the organization. This is a, a different story in the fact that both sides clearly do not get along. And how? what's going to happen if they come out and they go two and three? Yeah, two and four. Is he just? Would he just sit at that point? Would you? Would you just sit as Aaron Rodgers and say, "Screw it, I know what I'm. I'm not playing." Would you? 
it's that's a that's a whole different ball game because it is conventional wisdom says well that shows other teams that you're going to quit on them so it's going to reduce your leverage in the offseason but we know now in professional sports today that doesn't matter everybody no. knows that Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and he's saying fuck you to the organization. He doesn't want to play for the Green Bay Packers. It's not that he doesn't want to play football and he's going to quit on any team. It's that he doesn't want to play for the Green Bay Packers. And we're yeah. spinful in here because we don't know that that's going to happen. But if it does, I don't think any team is going to care. Any team is still going to open the wallet up in the offseason and say, come play for me, baby, because that's not going to happen here. Correct. Correct. There's, there's no team that's going to like and that's that's the slap in the face to Green Bay is they keep let's say they keep him this year and he doesn't win a, they get close but he doesn't win a Super Bowl he walks right now it's a non amicable split but it's still a free agency split right so they held on to him and then he goes to a team and wins the Super Bowl with that new team <laughs> like. Tell me, tell me that's not just, tell me if you're a Green Bay fan, why you're not rioting in front of Lambeau. I don't think enough people live there to have a riot. (laughs) It depends if it's a Sunday or not. It depends if it's game day. If it's game day, then everyone's there. But like, if he does that, and you can't even fault him at that point. Like, it's not like Green Bay didn't have their chance to make amends over the years. It's not like Green Bay didn't have him for how many years. It's not like Green Bay didn't, you know, try to give pieces at some points. But then, you know, this whole shit happens. And the man walks and signs and wins a Super Bowl in the first year, a la Tom Brady. Man, you know what? The new meta for football teams might be wait for the aging Hall of Famer to want to leave and sign him. No shit. Because then you'll win a Super Bowl. Like, what if he ends up on the Patriots? Oh. Woe to the rest of the NFL if he ends up on the Patriots. What if you give... (laughs) Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, another oh, Tom Brady no. level quarterback. No. And he's already like, used to playing in that climate. <laughs> he's yep. on the same longitudinal line or whatever it is, latitude, whichever one runs horizontally. Yeah, well, but imagine. Imagine. Jeez. Like, first of all, talk about slapping the face to Green Bay if that happens. Because I don't think anyone wants their star quarterback ever going to. Is there? I don't think there's a fan in the world that would be happy with their star, former star player signing with the Patriots. The Patriots are like the Yankees. The Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys are the two teams that you never want to see your former stars go to. It doesn't matter if they're in division or not. It's just like an unwritten rule of fandom. Right. Like, the, that is the evil empire. They don't go there. They are now evil. I don't like them. Like, well, as a fan too, you you want to think that if a player leaves on good terms, that you would want to root for them. But the next year, for them to take another team to the Super Bowl and win it, that hurts a little bit as a fan. 
because you think yeah. we just had that guy and we couldn't do it. What did they do that we didn't do? Our organization isn't as good as that organization because he just had to walk in there and win. He was here for 13 years and he won. Well, he did win one time, right? But that was with a pretty damn good supporting cast. Now you're just walking into some other place and winning? That hurts as a fan. That really sticks it right in your heart as a fan. And the thing is, as a fan, too, is you can't even blame the player at that point. Like, you, you've, you've seen the drama. It's not like the Tom Brady thing, everyone knew it was coming. Like, the Patriots fans weren't happy he was leaving, but everyone knew that that, that era was over, and it ended, and it ended well. The, the whole fan base knew that he was moving on. And yeah, there were some upset, people who were upset with him, of course. But for the most part, it ended, you know, in a friendly way. It was time. Rodgers is a different story. Because Green Bay fans seem to be 50% wanting to keep him, 50% wanting to run him over with a truck. <laughs> so, like... You got to just, ah, they dug themselves a hole is what they did. The other thing to consider is this, when comparing the Tom Brady situation to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not 42 years old, like Tom Brady was when this all went down. Aaron Rodgers is older. He's 37 right now, which is old in not just football, but sports circles in general. But you put him behind an offensive line that's going to block him, block for him, and he's okay, just like Tom Brady is at 42. Aaron Rodgers, conceivably, behind a solid offensive line, has three elite years left. From what we've seen from players at his caliber that are blocked for, quarterbacks, he can win you Super Bowls into his 40s. His arm strength doesn't look like it's decreasing. It looks fine. No. His decision-making is good. He doesn't have the yips. He's not happy feet. Nothing like that. It's not like Peyton Manning in his later years where his arm strength was gone. And the defense right. won him that Super Bowl in Denver. Right? Aaron Rodgers right. can play physically at a high level. Conceivably for another three to four years. I think the key that you said there was elite level for three to for three to four years, which means that you will get an NFL quarterback for potentially five or six. As long as you can put that line in front of them. Which which gives a team who can build and has money and are willing to spend to protect him. That gives you three years of a very good shot of winning the Super Bowl and another two to three years of a good shot at winning the Super Bowl. Yep. There's no one in the world who's going to doubt Tampa Bay now. After what Brady did last year. No one's going to underestimate them now. It doesn't matter how many losses they have. They had losses last year. They still won the whole thing. Right. So, like. They were not world beaters it, during the regular season at all. Last no, year. I mean, they were, they were no. a, a very good team. 
top echelon, obviously, but they weren't going if out there you, and just if, drilling everybody like the Patriots did in some years past. If I told you in like week week ten that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to win a Super Bowl against another very good team on the other side. Would you have believed me? No. Never. I would have laughed at you, Terps. I would have laughed at you. <laughs> Been like, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> like, you would have to, you would give a little bit of credit to saying, hey, you know what? You know what? They do have Brady. Yeah, you know, I could... And then, and then you would, and then you would finagle your way into believing that you know maybe there's a way that you know Tom Brady brings the team around, and you know that he Tom Brady. But you'd have to do some mental gymnastics if I told you, if I told you that they would face Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and they would win. Like if I if I offered you a betting line on that, you would be like, nah, fuck that. I ain't touching that. There's no way. Yeah. Never. Ever, 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 ever. That's all it takes though, is just to get hot and like God, I don't I just don't understand how this team is wasting so much. I don't understand. I don't know how Noam hasn't broken anything yet. <laughs> yet. I didn't know. Yet. I didn't. Is he? I didn't realize he's a Green Bay fan. Yeah, he's a Green Bay fan. He's a Packers fan. How does that? He work? is a as a Cubs fan uh, and not a Bears fan. I no. Where you no, at, brother? He, he he told me. He explained it to me once, and I just forget what his reasoning is. But like, I guess I guess it's I guess it's working for him. <laughs> At least it was <laughs> until until now. I mean, he's a uh, here you go, gnome. If you want, if you if you want the weird fandom that is gnome, he is a Cubs, Packers, St. Louis Blues fan. Oh my God. <laughs> Gnome, I'm calling you out, brother. <laughs> like, explain that one. Explain you can't be a one. fan in the three major sports of teams in three different states. You sound like a New York Yankees and Los Angeles Lakers fan, brother. And I'm coming for real. you at SummerSlam. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, like... That he was also a uh, he was also a Toronto Raptors fan for a little bit too. <laughs> before they won, he was a fan before they won. Well, how many teams have their stopped... mascot playing on the court in Chris Bosh, who actually looks like a Raptor? A Raptor, yeah, yeah. I oh, don't forget he's a Nebraska fan, but he went to Nebraska, so that so so that one's excused. That makes sense. That one's excused. You're allowed to be a fan of the school you went to, but no, I'm an. 
here's what I need you to do. Um, I need you to edit your voice into this podcast and explain how this happened. And I know you're not going to want to do it, and I'm going to get a text from you saying, fuck you, I'm not doing that, but that's what we need you to do. We need you to edit your voice and to explain that to the masses as to how you've managed to pull off this extravagant Midwestern. You know what? He's just a fan of the Midwest. That's what it is. He just wants to include the entire Midwest. <laughs> God damn it. No. You've got, you've got the, you've got Chicago. You've got green Bay and St. Louis. Suppose he's got to add a basketball team, right? So, like, I don't know. Who's a who's a deserving Midwestern basketball team we could add that doesn't fit? He's got Nebraska too. Don't forget that. Uh, I was gonna say Milwaukee, but that makes too much no, sense that, with Green Bay. That makes too much. Yeah, yeah. He probably likes the Phoenix Suns. No, it would have to be like the Pistons. That 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 gives you that full like Midwest control, right? Back in the early two thousands, he became a Pistons fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna hate us. That's whatever. It it, it is whatever. You see, all of my teams make sense. All my teams make sense. I am a Mets, Devils, Maryland fan. I don't really have an NFL team, but I watch the NFL. I just don't have a team. Open to suggestions. Maybe I'll adopt a team. Mets and Devils make sense. They're, you know, right New there. Jersey, New York. Yeah. Across yeah. the bridge. Although I, although I do have a friend who for the longest time claimed he was both a Devils and a Penguins fan. What and I told fuck? him that that can't be a thing. Yeah. Wait, what alternate yeah, universe like does he live in? <laughs> you cannot, you cannot both be a Devils fan and a Sidney Crosbitch fan. That that does not exist. You can't do it. It's it's just it's like the same people who have the half Yankees, half Mets jerseys. Oh, piss on them. I just people. support I just support New York City. Fuck out. No, you don't. You can support my nuts. What never mind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not with that jersey, you can't. Fuck out of here. Right? Nobody um, likes you if you have a, a half Mets, half jersey, or half Yankees jersey. Nobody likes you. Go away. Is there is there a worse fan though than the Yankees, Lakers, Dallas Cowboys fan? Oh God, no! There's like, not a worse fan because you're well, not fan of anything. You're just like, oh, my team wins all the time. Yeah, because you just choose whoever wins. You fucking idiot. I mean, the Cowboys don't win anymore. People just like to think they win. Not anymore. Yeah, that's another weird yeah. thing too. How is it that? That's still like a mainstream thing to be a Cowboys fan when they haven't won anything since 1997 or whatever the fuck it was. Because it's cool. Why is it cool? Edgy. I don't know. How is it like, edgy? Your team stinks. Yeah, because you know, being a fan of a team that stinks is cool, says the Maryland football fan. <laughs> <laughs> At least Maryland has a good basketball team, though. Listen. So you listen, can wear your I'm Maryland still... shit and people are like, oh yeah, basketball, cool. And you know what our football team's up and coming? We're, 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 we've got some pieces this year. Getting there. Talia Tungvaloa has, has experience. I'm still mad we never we didn't beat you guys, like what was it, four years, three years ago? When Tyrell Pigrome 
All you had to do was throw to the open man in the end zone with a two-point <laughs> conversion, and we won. That's all you had to do. That's it. Uh, of course, I sound like an armchair coach here because the throw was probably more difficult than it looked. But all you had to do was throw it to the open receiver in the end zone where because all of Ohio State's defenders forgot that he existed. Sometimes all it's you better to, to be lucky and then good. What? Right. Sometimes wait. Uh, I, I, did I say I'm, that right? Yeah, Let me huh? try that again. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes stop. it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah, no, you said you said it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe. I just remember watching that game at work. I had that game on at work and I was like, no, there's no way this is happening. When Maryland took the big lead, um with Anthony McFarland just all of a sudden becoming the second coming of every major wide uh running back put into one person and just made Ohio State's defense look like terrible. And they're like, Cutting wow, up. we're really up 21. No- we're really up like 21, nothing on Ohio state. What? Then I went back to work. Like there's no way to come back. Ohio state's up by seven. I'm like, Oh, here we go. We had our fun. <laughs> I, kill- I look back again and we're leading in the fourth quarter. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What? And then I turned back around and it's tied again. And I was like, Oh, here we go again. And then we take, and then the, the overtime happens. I'm just like, we're going to find a way to blow this. And it's going to be the dumbest way to blow it, too. It's going to be something stupid. It's going to be like a blatant interception or a really bad fumble. Or we're going to miss a field goal. That's what it's going to be. Funnily enough, missing an open receiver in the end zone was on a two point conversion was not how I saw that one going. Could be worse, but still a day ruiner. I mean, I, if it was me as a fan. I'd rather go up and then have the other team just come back and blow my doors off. I don't want to have yeah. them come back up and then and then bring it back to even and then blow it on something like that. That's too much of an well, emotional also, roller coaster for me. I can't handle that. Also, you guys were ranked what, like fifth at the time or fourth yeah. at the time? Like, like it's not only. First of all, every Maryland fan went into that game going, "If we don't lose by, if we lose by less than thirty, it's a good day." That's what that's what our expectations were going into this. Like, listen, <laughs> if we lose like forty to fifteen, I'm kind of okay with forty to fourteen, maybe forty to seventeen. I'm kind of okay with it, you know, because last time they beat us by fifty. So you lose by a less than thirty, that's a good improvement. That's a twenty point swing. I'll take that, right? And then to be in the game, and like consistently in the game, and looking like you're actually competitive against a team, and then to that like sense of hope comes in you're like maybe we're really gonna do this yep maybe maybe we're really gonna do this and then your brain goes nah now we're gonna blow it just watch we're gonna blow it and then later on the line your brain convinced yourself that no you're really gonna do it this time it's okay you're gonna do this and then you actually blow it every time every time ohio state loves doing that to other teams too they love giving you just that little bit of a glimmer of hope and then dashing it right at the end Unless you're Purdue, then they just get absolutely train wrecked. Because <laughs> not Purdue in 2002. Just... No, but uh, holy Buckeye! I, the Ohio State's gonna—they're gonna meet their maker soon. It's gonna happen eventually. It might soon. take. It it might take a conference realigning, but it's gonna happen. That's exactly what it's gonna take. It's. It's going to have to be like, they're going to have to throw like Ohio State. And see, the problem is the Big Ten East is already stacked. 
That's exactly like when, the problem. Like, I agree with you like, 100%. Because there are too many teams. All the good teams are in the Big Ten East, and then all the little sisters in, are in the West. Like, Wisconsin pretends it likes to play sometimes. and yeah. But, like, if you put Michigan or Penn State or both in the West and sent over, like, Northwestern and, I don't know, uh... Uh, Minnesota, sure. That kind of balances everything out a little bit. Ohio State and Michigan can still play the game. That's still a, that's still a, a guaranteed cross division rivalry game. And now that game has even more meaning because both teams could be in first and playing. And then you get a rematch two weeks later, potentially in the Big Ten championship. Like that would work. Right. That would give some parity to it. Right now, it's like, uh, well, mm, I think Ohio State's going to win it. Oh, yeah, well, no, yeah, they're steamrolling. The problem with the Big Ten as it is now is the top, however, you know, four or five teams are basically rivals of, all, of one another, all of them. Michigan has to play Michigan State. Ohio State has to play Michigan. Ohio State has to play Michigan State. Ohio State has to play Illinois. Most people don't know. That's actually a rivalry game. There's a trophy for it. It's a stupid wooden turtle. It's dumb, but it's there. Ohio State has to play Penn State. Yeah, with all the recent controversy between those two teams right. in games. They have to. Like, and, and, and that's the thing. is like You try to take away rivalries, people get up in arms. But I would get the I would kind of get the idea that if Ohio State had to lose the guarantee of every rivalry except for the game, they could probably stomach it. They have to have Michigan. They have to have Penn State. Everybody else can probably go away. Yeah. But those two, it's just, and Maryland's over here like, we just don't want to play Ohio State and Michigan State and Michigan <laughs> and Penn State. Every single year, <laughs> like it, it, and you know what? In recent years, they haven't been as good. And you know, Maryland, you know, beat Penn State pretty soundly last year, and they've had good games against Michigan with them being down recently. And they had one good game against Ohio State, which was kind of a fluke. But like, you're asking a team to rebuild its culture and rebuild its team and rebuild its image, and you're also asking them to play in arguably the toughest division in the country. Well, the weird thing Where, about it is this, is the Big Ten is kind of like Westeros during the Targaryen regime, right? Ohio State is the Targaryens. They rule over everyone, all right? Everybody bows down to Ohio State. There are other teams that are the great houses of Westeros, Penn State, Michigan State, whoever else, that are good here and there. They're good one year. They're good two years, and then they fall off a little bit. And then the next team is good. You know, Penn State's good. Then Maryland has a good year. And then, you know, Northwestern comes out of nowhere sometimes, and they're good. But nobody really can dethrone Ohio State. What would the be only great for the conference? Wisconsin. Exactly. And Wisconsin has been very good for a while. 
but they only had a couple of years where they really threatened to knock Ohio State off. Consistently well, sharpen their sword on. There's no one to sharpen your sword on. You who you playing every year? Iowa, like Iowa hasn't been legitimately a threat in years. Nebraska, Nebraska hasn't been a threat since they left the Big Twelve. Nope. You, you got Northwestern. Yeah, sometimes a little punchy. They can punch a little bit, but Wisconsin normally handles them no problem. You worried about Minnesota? Everyone thought PJ Flex was going to turn that that boat around. Well, guess what? It's the Titanic over there right now. Like, who are they sharpening their sword against? Ohio State, regardless of how good they are, knows that they are going to play a with a target on their back just because it's Ohio State. This is how it works. But even if the teams aren't good, aren't great, no one enjoys playing in Happy Valley. No. On a Saturday night during a whiteout. No one enjoys going to the big house on a Saturday night at 8 p.m. for a primetime game. Nope. No one enjoys going to the horseshoe at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. for a primetime game. Like, it doesn't matter if Ohio State's having a down year for whatever reason or Michigan's having a down year or Penn State's having a down year. There is a legitimate chance every time one of those three schools goes into one of the other schools' home stadiums at night that they're going to lose because that's just how rivalries work. Like, how many games, you know, how many times has Ohio State played Penn State and Penn State is clearly the underdog, but yet somehow in the fourth quarter, Penn State is a score behind? Like, it's, it's... It's a rivalry game in a stadium with 100,000-plus people. Who does Wisconsin have? Who do they get to sharpen their sword against? Like, who who are they strengthening against? Yeah, Nebraska sells out games. They always have. But they have yet to show any kind of football life at all. Knick Stadium is difficult to play in, but it's not Beaver Stadium. It's not Happy not what Valley. It used to be. No, it's not what it used to yeah. be. What, are you going to go to Northwestern Tarp Field where they put a tarp over half the stands to make it look <laughs> full? Purdue is not overly tough to play in. Minnesota's not overly tough to play in. Like, they don't have to go and, like, play these games year in, year out. So it's, when they do go to play the big game, it's kind of a gamble with them. Sure. And that's exactly the reason why the Big Ten needs to shit or get off the pot. Who do they need? Everybody has been saying for years they need Notre Dame, and they do. Open the wallet up. Say, guess what? Whatever ABC is giving you, we'll match it. It's not even that they'll match it. They'll blow it out. Of the, they're, the Big Ten right now is literally swimming in money. Right. It is swimming in money right now. They need Clemson. They can get Clemson. Clemson makes more sense in the SEC from a geographical standpoint. Clemson from a competitive standpoint and the ability to be competitive and make it into the playoffs every year makes more sense for them to be in the Big Ten. 
Why do you want to? Why do you want to go to the? Why do you want to go to the SEC and run the gauntlet every year? Why do you want to play Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M, all these teams? Why do you want to play them? Why? Why not go play Ohio State once a year and everybody else? See, that's what I don't understand about the Texas Oklahoma move. Texas had a money pit in the sense that they were make having money thrown at them nonstop from Longhorn from Longhorn Network. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was given a free admission to the college football playoffs every single year. They just had to show up and they were in. That's all they had to do. Literally just had to show up. You had to play. That's it. And it was basically they were a shoe in. Now, eh, you're going to play every year. You're going to play Alabama because you know that's going to happen every year. You, you, you know, you're going to end up playing Auburn, Mrs. You know, you're going to end up playing, you know, all these big schools. You got to play Georgia routinely. It's no longer going to Ames and playing Iowa State, which gave them trouble as it was. It's not like, you know, you're going to Oki to Oki State, who also gave them trouble. Guess what? Now you're going to Death Valley and you're playing LSU every single year. And you know what? Maybe they do fantastic, but from a like a from a winning standpoint, I understand the. You know, you only get good when you play good, and you play good teams. Yeah, you just went from playing good teams to playing a slaughterhouse every year. And Texas is in no position to compete in the SEC. Texas can't beat Maryland. Like, what do they expect them to do? I think the situation is exactly that. Once conferences starting started to realign, Texas was less of a draw to recruits. You got Oklahoma, and that's it. That you play every year. Then what? Is Texas where I want to go if I'm a top-flight recruit? If the only good team that I play is Oklahoma, and if I lose that game, then I'm screwed, and I am not on a big stage for the rest of the year. I don't get a chance to play in the college football playoff because I lost one game. That's why they want to go to the SEC, because they're on a big stage every week. Everybody's watching them every single week in the SEC, and now I can pitch that to recruits, whereas in the Big 12, you can't do that. And that's why the Big Ten needs to get to that same spot. Right now, it's Ohio State and everybody else. They're the ones that draw for everything. It's not the SEC. And maybe they will never be, but they need to get to the spot where they have teams that are competing and that are bringing eyeballs to the screen every single week so that recruits want to go to those schools. Otherwise, Ohio State's going to start to struggle. We've already seen it on a national scale because they can do well in the Big Ten. But then when they get on the big stage in the college football playoff, there are big struggles, big problems, big issues. We can see the difference and the gap that there is between Ohio State and some of the other schools out there in the SEC in the South. The thing, too, is the Big Ten has the teams who historically should put them at the level of the SEC now. You have culture-rich programs who, in theory, should not be struggling the way they've been struggling in recent years. 
Michigan has, and I, I know Derek's a huge Michigan fan, zero excuse for playing the way they've been playing. Zero excuse. You still get the recruits. You still have the coach. You still have the money. You still have the fans. And you ain't done shit. But do they? Nothing. They got the they fans and had... they got the money. Do they have the coach? I don't think so. That's a good question now, yeah. Harbaugh is probably... I think he's got to go. But they have zero excuse for not performing. Penn State, same story. Once they lost uh, McSorley, it was all downhill. They never, like... Which is funny, because that school can can recruit really well. But at the same time, it's like, what's their excuse for not performing? What's their excuse for having the season they had last year? Are you going to attribute it to coronavirus? No, you can't do that. Because you you've had down years before. Yeah. So what's their excuse? Michigan State finally got on their high, got on their horse, started firing people. Took them long enough. That's a program that can make noise. Not to the extent that Penn, they don't have the pedigree that Penn State and Michigan have, but they can make noise. Wisconsin just needs competition. And you want to hear the biggest fraud of them all. Sorry, Gnome. What's Nebraska's excuse? You came over to the Big Ten swagger and you were big bad boys who have been running through the Big 12 playing the big boy Oklahoma and Texas. What? Was the rest of that schedule like you're telling me that oh wait, we all knew this. The Big 12 is top-heavy and always has been. Now you come over to the Big 10. Now you're playing in the cold. And not only are you playing in the cold, you're playing against blue blood pedigrees every week when they were all good. They haven't retooled at all. Nothing. Like, it's weird. College football is a strange microchasm of things, too, because... Conventional wisdom says, from what we see in professional sports, everybody wants to go to the big market. Everybody wants to be in New York. Everybody wants to be in Los Angeles. Everybody wants to be in wherever, you know? Chicago. It's not the same way in college football. Everybody doesn't want to be in Tuscaloosa because Tuscaloosa is a cool place to be. You know what I'm saying? Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Do you know what's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Stadium. That's it. <laughs> there's, there, there's some fraternity houses there, too. But, you know. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. Baton Rouge might be cool. I don't know. Never been there. It's the capital of Louisiana, is it not? I, I don't I think it matters. Yeah. <laughs> Tallahassee, Florida. I've been to Tallahassee. There ain't much there. It's all right. It's Florida, so that's cool. Um, where it's, else? It's Athens, of, Georgia. Athens, Georgia. What's in Athens, Georgia? Terps, tell me about it. It's, it, ain't, it ain't Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Some it ain't Atlanta. Ann Arbor. What's in Ann Arbor? A very big stadium. That's it. Yeah. What's Happy in Happy Valley? It's literally just Penn State. It's exactly it's that. It. It's a school in a yeah. valley surrounded yeah. by trees. 
which is very cool. It's awesome. That's nice. It's very tranquil. It's not New York City. Go to Hofstra. I don't know. Do they have a team? That's in New York, isn't it? NYU. You're going to play for NYU, Dyer? What the fuck, man? Is that what you want to do? What's in Columbus? Realistically. Like, it's a bigger city than the other places, but, like, if you're if if you're going based off just cities in the Big Ten and that's it, it's Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. That's it. It's not that. It's not the same thing. College sports is not the same as professional sports. It's a different thing. What can you bring me other than because? There are going to be eyes on your team if you're good enough, no matter what. You're not getting paid, th- at least not a salary. So I saw it doesn't matter as much being in a big market. What can your school I offer saw, me? I saw a really interesting proposal that a, a proposal storyline that apparently Kansas had a talk with the Big Ten, and I'm okay bringing Kansas in if you get a football school. If you can get a top-tier football school like Notre Dame and a top-tier basketball school like Kansas... Give me Baylor. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I'll take Baylor. Because, yeah. The Big Ten can take take Baylor and make them a power. Take Baylor and Kansas? Because, honestly, the Big Ten needs basketball up a little bit. They do. They need need to up. They've been kind of skirting by. They've been doing good, you know. Michigan's been on a tear. Maryland's been playing well. Ohio State's had a few good seasons here and there. You know, Penn State, surprisingly, has remembered that there's more sports than football. But, I mean, Michigan State's always been good. You should see Penn State's baseball stadium. It's, yeah. It sucks. Have you seen Nebraska's, though? That's a nice field. Nebraska's why is why nice. does their field not look like the Field of Dreams? Just a cornfield in the background. You might as well be. <laughs> There's no fence. Just Except it's a nice cornfield. Yeah, <laughs> it's a backyard baseball field. It's a backyard baseball field. It's just fucking pristine right. other than that. All right, so here's a good question. Here's a good question from the chat, and we'll, we'll pose this, and then we'll probably end with my rant, because I have a rant for people right now. But the question is, all year I've heard the media and fans say that Yankees have been the biggest disappointment of the season. However, I have been the However, I have been the only one it seems to make the case that the Dodgers have been by far the worst team this year. For all the Yankee flaws, they've never lost 12 or 13 or had their bullpen or hitting implode like like LA did. The Dodgers appear to have a bit have hit a bit of a brick wall this year, wondering why the media and fans are giving them a pass. Cuz they won a World Series last year. Like as much as winning a World Series gives you heightened expectations it also gives you excuses in the sense that the yankees have not won shit dyer who was the last new york team to be in the world series was it the mets that was the mets the last new york team to play in the world series is the new york mets who are playing like a World Series team again. Sometimes. The Dodgers made a bunch of moves 
They're dealing with the Trevor Bauer situation, which also buys them a little bit of a pass from the media. They won a World Series. The Yankees are in New York. Whenever you're in New York, you're instantly just, it doesn't matter what happens, you're already in the spotlight and you're already fighting the media. You haven't won in a very long time. Yankee fans are tired of losing. They're looking at their players going, why aren't we winning? And they look across, you know, they look across the borough and the Mets right now are having the time of their lives. Pitching. So, yeah, the Yankees are going to get heat, are going to get more heat. And no, and 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 I agree with what he's saying in the sense of like the the LA was hyped up a lot and they don't have an excuse for playing as poorly. Actually, I take that back. They do have an excuse for playing as poorly. You know what their excuses for not playing well this year? Their Cy Young winning pitcher that they signed is a scumbag and right. not with the team. That is why they have such What's the right word? Uh, exception? Exemption? Excuse? From the media? Because the only thing anyone ever wants to talk about when they talk about the Dodgers right now is Trevor Bauer. That's it. That's all that media wants to talk about. They don't care. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go up and say, how did uh, you know Walker Bueller pitch yesterday? No, it's any word on Trevor Bauer. What's the team going to do with Bauer? The hearing started. What's your opinion on Bauer? That's all it is. That's so they get they get a shitty pass. That's just my take. Dyer? I would why, say... Why are, <laughs> I would say, as a player, as much as a personal relationship as you might have with a guy like Trevor Bauer... You got to say, sorry, bro, until you get your shit figured out. We can text a little bit if you want. I, I can't hang with you because, because that becomes an issue, you know? When there's a problem in an organization, regardless of whether or not you believe that there is an issue with that specific person or not, you have to distance yourself from the problem. Trevor Bowers got to figure his shit out. The Los Angeles the media is not the New York media. It's just not. The Dodgers have to figure it out, man. They Walker have Bueller. To figure it out. You know what's crazier, Dyer? Too. Imagine this happened to the Yankees. Imagine the roles were flipped. Oh. You can't because it would just be over. Or he, it he'd would be, be done. over. No, that this would yeah. be the only thing that was in the news because that was going to be the next thing I said. Is there hasn't been anything like ESPN push notifications, I'm headlines, nothing anywhere really about Trevor Bauer since the story broke two days ago. Yeah, if two it, days ago they, but nothing major. Sure, but but not every day. If this was yeah. the New York Yankees. It'd be the oh, only dude. thing anybody was talking about dude. from that moment when it happened until now, and probably until the end of the season. All you have to do is look up New York Mets drama or New York Yankees drama, and you'll see a whole season's just derailed by the New York media. 
You know what the best thing that the Los Angeles Dodgers can do right now? Finalize the Max Scherzer deal. Yeah. Because that becomes front page news, pushes down Trevor Bauer, and 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 that goes away for them. I'm not saying he's he's absolved of anything, but from a standpoint of team and what they do for the rest of the year, that's the best thing they can do. They've already got tie, they've already cut ties with him. He's not playing the rest of the year. So for them, that chapter is written and and the book is closed. The legal process will happen. What happens to him will happen. He I'm not getting into it. He's not on the team as far as I'm concerned if I'm a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Not this year and probably not moving forward. Replace now, him with the somebody. Dodgers if the Dodgers let the Padres sign Max Scherzer, then oh. yes. Then every single Dodger fan needs to be saying something. Yes. Is it going to change anything? No, it won't. It's not going to change anything, but that's not the point. If you let the Padres sign Max Scherzer without putting up a fight, that would be probably the worst Dodgers lack of a trade or trade since they sent Mike Piazza to the Marlins for eight days for Gary Sheffield. That is hundred dollar jersey earning situation. And do you remember what happened to the Dodgers after they traded Mike Piazza for a bunch of years? They fucking sucked. (laughs) You cannot. And this is way worse than that because it's a rival Getting a Cy Young caliber pitcher. If you're the Dodgers, you cannot let the Padres get Scherzer. You can't let you can't. him sniff him. You yeah. can't do it. You can't do it. If the Dodgers get Scherzer, will the Padres be upset? Yes. But the Padres aren't trying to replace a Cy Young caliber pitcher. I'm ignoring Trevor Bauer's personal life and struggles i am looking at this right but what i'm looking at is in right now from a pure baseball standpoint they need to replace bauer there's only one pitcher on the market right now that can replace bauer in terms of talent there's only one as far as i'm concerned there's not another pitcher when's the last time max serger was involved in some kind of a scandal um when people figured out his eyes were different colors? When's the last time that anybody hated Max Scherzer other than for what he did to their team on the field? No. Nobody. He's the guy they need. Squeaky clean image guy that performs as well, if not better, than Trevor Bauer. He puts Trevor Bauer on the back burner for their fans. Not to discount anything that happened with Trevor Bauer. Because he may have done some fucked up shit. I don't know. We'll see. But. There are. Max Scherzer. Puts that to bed. It makes fans forget about Trevor Bauer. From a baseball standpoint. And puts their team. Right back where it needs to be. From a baseball standpoint. And you ready for this? There are three main suitors for Scherzer. 
The Mets inquired, but the Nationals are never going to do that. That would no. make no. You the Mets are already at, at the point of taking control of the division. Degrom will be coming back. Syndergaard comes back in September. You know, Stroman's been really good. You have good. They have good enough pitching right now. If the the Nationals were to give Max Scherzer to the Mets, you're handing the division to the Mets for the foreseeable future. So they're never going to do that ever. But the main suitors for Max Scherzer right now are the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres. What division are all those teams in? The West. If you're the Dodgers, you have to win this trade. You have to. You have, you have to. to. You have to win the trade. You have to come out on top. You have to. If you're the Dodgers, you have to flex the big dick that you've been flexing the past few years, getting top-tier ball players and playing literal money ball in the sense that you are playing ball with money. Fuck the luxury tax. Fuck it. You got to send, you got to send, you know, a bunch of prospects over and maybe an everyday player. Fucking send them, send them, get them out. And here's what I think too. The San Francisco giants are not going to continue this, this season. It's not going to happen. They get Scherzer. They might. If that's the X factor right there. If they get Max Scherzer, that's going to invigorate and inject a, a huge amount of intensity into that organization, and who knows what happens after that. If they don't get him, I think they flatten out. I think they probably decline steadily through the end of the season and end up probably third in that division. Whoever gets the Max Scherzer between the Dodgers and San Diego, I think probably wins it. I think they probably do. And I think the biggest one is San Diego because they've got a team that's ready to go. They need a couple little tiny little pieces. And if they get a big dog like Max Scherzer, that's the shot in the arm. They need to blow that division out of the water and make a run for it. That's what they need. Everything that they've done, getting Machado and um, everybody that they have, Clevenger, everybody. Tatis signing to that big deal. Cronenworth, Mejia, doing all this stuff, all right? San Diego is poised to make a run. The one piece they need is a guy like Max Scherzer. If they don't get him, they probably kind of continue to be middling and, and competitive, but not a top echelon team. They need the guy that's going to go out there every fifth day and just shut shit down. For the next season or two. That's all they need. And that's going to do it for them. They're going to win the and World the, Series, I think. Whoever gets Max Scherzer probably also gets him through retirement. Yep. He's 37. He's 36. He's going to be 37 next year as a free agent. There's a good chance if the if the Giants get him, I don't think they resign him. But I think if the Padres or the Dodgers get him, he's staying a Dodger or a Padre. I don't how think he goes back to the Nationals. How important is it for the Padres, too? You get a guy like Max Scherzer. What's it do for you in free agency? It's huge. Guys want to come here now. Guys think Scherzer's only got a year or two more. We got to get here for it. 
with the team that they put together, with that extra piece, that crown jewel, that's the one. That's the one that makes the difference. People want to come here now. People want to go to San Diego and not just for the beach and the tortillas. If the Dodgers don't win this trade, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. They have no. the talent to. They have the talent to. They can do it. They can do it. I but think whoever do it. whoever gets Scherzer goes to the World Series. Whether it's San Francisco, the Dodgers, or the uh, the Padres, whoever it is goes to the World Series from the National League. I, I don't think, think anybody only, else challenges. I think the only team that could challenge is if Syndergaard comes back and is able to throw at the level he was pre-Tommy John. That's big. Then you have a, ro- a three-man rotation of DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Stroman. That will win you games. That will win you series. Definitely. Especially in the postseason if they can all stay healthy. There's right. two, that's, two that's of those three... Two of those three are, hurt. are are really making me worried about their ability to stay healthy in a seven-game series and be able to come around and, and pitch. Now, if they're able to pitch and you can get Taiwan Walker back on track a little bit and you can pick up and you can pick up one of Baez or Bryant or similar to add another bat into the offense it's kind of woken up recently. Yeah, you could challenge. Yeah, there's a you lot of challenge. maybes there. But they got to spend money, and they will. I think they actually will this year. But if you're the Dodgers and you let this go and you don't win this trade, oh, well, if I'm a Dodger fan there and he goes to the Padres, that's, that's, that's a slap in the face. All of their fans got to be thinking that. The the fan base for each of those three teams has to be thinking, if we don't do it, then we have lost it. But it's so much worse for the Dodgers. It's so much worse for the Dodgers, in my mind, because, again, they have to replace a Max Scherzer-level talent. The other teams don't have to replace one of those. They're looking to add one. The only argument I have to that is regarding San Diego because with the payroll that they have what's the longevity for something like that for a team that's paying players that much on the top end you've got you've got what maybe two years what's your window it's got to be right now it has to be right now with those players especially yeah it's the next two three years it has to be because now, because if it's not, then you're running into the situation where some of these guys are starting to get to the end of their career. Tatis has, has had some injury problems that could be chronic. And then you've got some guys that are ifs and buts and maybes. San Diego's got to make it happen, and they got to strike right now, I think. To make these moves look like they've worked. Otherwise, they're going to set that franchise back a decade if they don't win in the next three years. Yeah. I, I, there's only really right now in the major league system 
I would say three teams that have the financials to compete long-term keeping payroll competitive. And that's the Mets, the Yankees, and the Dodgers right now. That's it. That's it. That's the only three teams right now that have that have the financial capability in my mind to do that with the number one team being the Mets surprisingly with Steve Cohen just basically saying fuck the luxury tax I'll pay it myself <laughs> like that man could buy both the Dodgers and the Yankees put them both over the luxury tax and still have billions of dollars like but the but if you're not one of those three teams Right now, they're paying Manny Machado thirty-two million. They're paying Will Myers twenty-two and a half. They're playing Eric Hosmer twenty-one. You Darvish nineteen. Blake Snell, they're paying eleven. Tommy Pham, they're paying nine. Drew Pomeranz are paying eight. Joe Musgrove are playing four or five. That's a fucking steal. And he's right. going into Arb two. They're gonna have to pay him next year. Um, Jerkson Profire paying four three. Um, Mark Melanson is being paid two. That's a really good for that. Uh, Tatis is locked up. So they don't worry about him. Um, like, what are you going to do with that payroll? You've got to do it now. You have to do it now. You have to, if you don't, you're paying too much now and you're trying to figure out where you can cut costs and then you're trying to dump money somewhere and it's going to be a, a hard struggle. For the next six years, we'll say. Because don't forget, they they pick up Snell's contract next year too. Exactly. They got a lot they of money going s- on the books. They got to do it soon. And you know what? They have one. They have one. Uh, one, including this year, one, two, three, four years. Before they lose the golden egg that is Tatis's entry level contract. Yep. Because that twenty million kicks in in twenty twenty five. And in theory, you could if you count the twenty million, then they have one, two, three, four, five, six, six years. Then starting in twenty twenty seven, twenty five million. Twenty twenty eight, twenty five million. Twenty twenty nine, thirty six, thirty six. Like, so you have the next you could theoretically go out and sign somebody a big name for the next three years, 2022, 2023, 2024, that could bolster your team and you could feasibly give them a lot of fucking money. Hey, Dyer, who's a extremely high caliber player right now on the trading block that could help this team win that you could feasibly get a three-year j- contract out of. There's a few of them. You got to get them. Go get them. <laughs> it's like... Make it happen. This whole team... The Dodgers, will, the Dodgers will win another World Series. They'll win another World Series. It might not be this year, but they'll win another one in the next few years, I think. I'm not worried about the Dodgers as much. Unless they both lose out on Scherzer and Bauer never pitches again, then they're in trouble. Then they're in trouble. Because you just don't have the elite pitching. 
You still have very, good pitching, but you lost to your elite pitcher. That's a very real possibility. It's a very real possibility. Then you got to go after Scherzer hard in the offseason. You got to throw the whatever he wants back the dump truck up. Back it up. Pay the man. But then you got to start thinking man. in baseball for a pitcher at 38 years old or whatever he is. How much are you going to pay this guy for how long? Because he's going to want a longer term deal. He's going to want security. He knows how old he is, and so is his agent. The team's not going to want to give him a whole lot. And you know who his agent is? Probably Big Dick Daddy Scott. Yeah, Scott Boris. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Boris. Yep. So he's, like, not, he's not walking out of there losing. That guy don't no. lose. No. So good luck in those no, negotiations, don't. brother. Because if you don't pay, somebody else will. Oh, for for real. Like, I'm just trying to see who who's who opens up next year. Who opens up next year? Uh, free agent starting next year. We're just going to go by starting pitcher for next year. So right now, your starting pitchers that go on the free agency next this for 2022 Zach Greinke uh Verlander Kershaw Scherzer Stroman Gosman Morton Kikuchi Cobb Danny Duffy Corey Kluber Drew Smiley Carlos Martinez Michael Pineda Garrett Richards Noah Syndergaard Zach Davies James Paxton Dylan Bundy uh out of all these names I only really see two or three that like take you to the next level, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Verlander's one. He's thirty nine. He can still do it though. Oh man, it, that makes me nervous. A lot of old, a lot of age. It on does. This. A lot of age. Kersh- Kershaw might. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Kershaw's Scherzer. got the back problem. That's. That's yeah. really disconcerting. Stroman will stay with the Mets. He'll 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 long term sign with the Mets. Um, Kikuchi could be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Kikuchi could be an interesting one. I don't think he's a a world burner, but he could be an interesting pickup. Sure. I it's just not. Who's free in 2023? Who's a starting pitcher in 2023? Because yeah, you gotta look past you gotta look past it. Jacob DeGrom is a club option in 2023. He'll stay with the Mets, though. Because whatever any other team offers him, Steve Cohn's gonna offer him double. Chris Sale, Aaron Nola, he'll be 30 then. Luis Severino. Chris Sale's getting old, isn't he? Uh yeah, he'll he'll be 34. At that time? There's just not... Yeah. Hmm. As old as I thought. Uh, Joe Musgrove, 2023 free agent. Sign him now. You better. Sign him now. Somebody else will. Because <laughs> all, the, all these big names are going to be locked up. They're all going to be locked up. All going to be locked up. But 
I have one more topic I want to talk about before we end. Get it. It's a long one. It's been a long one today. That's good. That's okay. I want to talk about something that's been pissing me off. And the Twitter sphere and specifically the MLB the show community. Get it. I'm gonna ruffle some I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. Fucking ruffle them. Ruffle some feathers. I tweeted about this today. But there's this phenomenon going on on Twitter where people are creating echo chambers and surrounding themselves and catering their content to see only what they want to see and hear that they believe in. And anytime someone goes against them, doesn't matter what it is, I'm not going to pick on any topic because it can be any topic. It becomes a fucking bloodbath. I don't understand why I well I understand why people do it but I don't understand why people are so against hearing others opinions but have to have theirs be heard every chance they get that's not how this works if you surround yourself with the with like-minded people who only believe and say the things that you believe and say all you ever hear is the information that what you believe in wants you to hear. And that's it. Preach. That's it. Whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's down the middle. It's, it's the worst. It is the worst thing because you think that you're right because when all you see on social media in, the, in what you've catered for yourself are people agreeing with you, then you think that you have the master solution to the world. Well, guess what? I only believe A and I have blocked out everyone who believes B and C so I don't see them and all I see is everyone else tweeting about A and how good A is guess what I'm going to think A is the right answer because I've put myself in a yes men situation and then people get mad when you call them on it well I just want to block out the negativity no there's a difference between blocking negativity and blocking toxicity from blocking those who don't believe what you believe. There's a difference. A really good example of that is Noam and I often have extremely different political views on a lot of ranging topics to the point where we're getting verbal arguments with each other. At the end of the day, he is one of my best friends, and I am, I'm, well, I'm not going to block him because... He's not toxic. I don't have a toxic relationship with him. I don't have a, a, what's the word? Um, an argumentative relationship with him. I have a friendship with him. So even though we disagree heavily on a lot of things, I don't put myself in a situation where I can't have discourse with him or I can't have a discussion with him. It's, I'm sure we all have friends like that. I'm sure we all, I'm sure you and Derek have belief systems that in some cases are vastly different from each other. That doesn't mean that you block him because he has a different opinion on whether steak should have ketchup or not on it, although that is a blockable offense. <laughs> Bet. That is a blockable offense. But my point is, there's so much of this using the excuse that I'm blocking out negativity and I'm blocking out um, 
toxicity to cater my own content. I'm used, there's a lot of I'm using that excuse to make what I'm doing okay. And all it's doing is creating echo chambers and yes men, which to be honest is where this country's in this fucking situation this country's in because that's what everyone's been doing and I fucking hate it. It's so dumb. It's so stupid. It, it, if, if you are so, if you lack the confidence to hear another side's argument in most situations, then you don't actually believe in what you believe in. If, you're, if your reaction to hearing other people's arguments against most topics, most topics, there are some topics that are unforgivable, in my opinion, and we all have unforgivable topics. But in most topics, if you're unwilling to hear someone else's opinion, it's because you're scared to hear it because you think it's going to make you wrong. And that's just fucking weak. And that's what I've been seeing a lot of recently in the world, and I, I hate it. I, it's so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. And it, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to pick on any topic. It could be literally any topic. It could be, you know, ketchup on steak to as, to as strong as, you know, belief system and how the U.S. wages war. It doesn't matter. But people become self-centered because they do, because they allow that to happen. Because they, when you surround yourself with people who only agree with what you believe in, yes. you start to think that you have everything figured out, which makes you become self-centered. Yes. That is exactly how that happens. Any one, of, <laughs> one of the best things you can do as a human being is surround yourself with people who think vastly different than you do. Because what does that do? That makes you an empathetic person because you are forced to see things through a scope and through a lens that is different from what you are comfortable with. It makes you, it puts you in uncomfortable situations because there are people in this world that have had Vastly different experiences and vastly different outcomes than you have had in your own life. And that has shaped who those people are. Just like your own experiences has shaped who you are. And having those people around you and understanding how those people have become who they are makes you understand how people form their own opinions. And so it, it doesn't become something that's political. It's not red and, red and blue. It's, it's not R and D. It's John and Mike and Kyle and David and whoever. It's a person. It's not a color. It's not a letter. It's not anything else. Look no further than Daryl Davis. You know who Daryl Davis is? Fill me in. Daryl Davis is a musician. And he's collected Ku Klux Klan regalia. He's a black man. 
and he's collected this stuff, this memorabilia, as you might say, from people that he has turned away from that. He's gone to people that hated him because of the way he looks, and he's talked to them. And he's done nothing but speak with them and, and just be a person and turn them away from a life of hate. They, they aren't Ku Klux Klan members anymore because they talk to Daryl Davis and they're like, wow, this is, this is a good dude. Not every black person sucks. Not every white person's right. My ideals are wrong, is what those people said. Because they had a conversation with Daryl Davis. His More TED Talk one. is a must-listen. It's so if, powerful, if, man. Just to listen so to what this man says and the way that he speaks to people and the way that, not only the way he speaks to people, but the way he reaches people. It's incredible. This man, correct me if I'm wrong, this man befriended the Grand Master, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and they became friends. He, this man, befriended people who literally wanted to kill him. This man willingly went to rallies of people who wanted to put his race of people back into the doldrums of history where they should have never been to begin with. They, they wanted to shut them down, and he went willingly, willingly, break boundaries and listen to their side and try to understand why people think that way. If you never seek to understand, you're never going to ever understand anything. If you never ask why and you never try, even, and the reason I bring this up is because to me, racism, to me, is the most despicable thing one human can do to another short of murder. Agree. And this man, normally, if someone's a racist, I don't want anything to do with them. I want nothing to do with I'm right? I'm done. This man went to the racists knowing their belief system and listened. And because he listened, he changed and they changed. If he's willing to go do that, you can be willing to listen to another side of a Twitter argument. And I think the biggest thing that you just said right there is he listened. He just listened, man. He heard what those people were saying, and then he was able to understand where they were coming from and then talk to them about how things really are. Because in so many cases, people people are a victim to their circumstances. How many people don't get outside of their 30-mile radius? The people that they're around are the only people that they're around for years, forever. They don't know firsthand what things are like outside of their circle. And so to hear what somebody else has gone through 
out somebody else's felt in a situation that you may have had a part of or you may be able to understand how you have made somebody feel by another person's interaction that's similar to something that you've done. That's a powerful thing. It's not just about who you are and what you've done. It's about understanding what other people have, where other people have come from and the experiences that they've had. Put yourself in that situation. Understand what has molded their belief system. Understand how other people feel around you. That's the biggest thing. Not everybody grew up in small rural town Ohio. Not everybody grew up in, you know, urban New York City. Not everybody grew up in the suburbs. Not everybody grew up in the jungles of South, South America. Understand what other people have experienced. Listen to what they say. And then, can you form an opinion on your surroundings, on how you feel about other people, on how other people should be treated? And if you truly try and understand where everybody that you've talked to is coming from, then can you form an opinion on how the world should be molded, on what you think is right, on what you should vote for, on what you should do, on what things you think are valuable. It's not just about you, it's about everybody. That's what makes sense to me. The worst thing is a lot of people will say, I don't have time to listen to people who I know are wrong. How do you know they're wrong if you don't listen to them? That's what I say and to here's, that. And here's the even bigger counter to that. There is not a bigger wrong to the human race other than murder and rape and racism. And this man still went and listened. He still went and educated. He still went and he was abused. He did take abuse. He did put himself in danger. Am I saying that everything needs to be done that way? Absolutely not. But if he's willing to do that, what's your excuse? This man knew these people hated him. It wasn't a hypothesis. You know, it, it, it wasn't a guess. You know, maybe the KKK won't like me. No, no, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cut and dry what their belief <laughs> system was like, it, it's not a mystery. And yet he still went and he went again and he went again and he went again. That's the difference. And that's what a lot of people in this country are missing. Right. I am right. You're not. This is how it is. End of discussion. Goodbye. I don't have time. And it ain't like that. Okay. In reality, then it you is will, not like that. Then you will always be right in your own head, regardless of if you're actually right or wrong. That's the difference. And that's what I wish more people did, is just, just talk and listened 
and you don't maybe stop calling people clowns all the time and like insulting people like that doesn't help either but shit happens on the internet but it's the realistic side of it's okay to listen to those who you vehemently disagree with because you know what maybe i walk away with it going you know what dyer really has no clue on what he's talking about but i can walk away with that informed conclusion because i spoke to dyer and to take that even and a I, step further take the time to try and understand where that opinion came from why is it you feel that way why is it that person feels that way did they have some catastrophic thing happen that caused them to feel in this way That can be an explanation for a lot of things. Not necessarily a good one. It's something that possibly can be changed through other experiences, but there are times where something happens to somebody that are so abhorrent, so horrible. Maybe they have now, it's been burned into their brain. This is a bad person, and everybody that looks like them is a bad person. Change my mind. Now we can try and understand that. And now we can try and discuss why that may not necessarily be the case. And it's not a situation of trying to force something on somebody and an ideal on someone. But it's a situation through experience that may be, over time, changed. Before we end this podcast, which got really deep and that's a good thing um make sure you guys are following us on twitter at off the fair poll otfp pod this will be live on spotify within the next few days and this show is done weekly on twitch my name is terps joined of course today by dyer for episode 27 of off the fair poll and i'm going to leave you with this quote by Daryl Davis, which I think kind of sums up everything that we've been talking about. And the quote goes like this. When two enemies are talking, they're not fighting. They're talking. When the talking ceases, that the ground then becomes fertile for violence. So keep the conversation going. That's all it takes. <laughs>